We've all been celebrating the birth of Christ for the last few days now. Today, I believe, is the sixth day of Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. And we continue to do that until the twelfth day. But uh, this second Sunday, uh, this first Sunday after Christmas, uh, is a day in which we cast our minds back and our imaginations back even farther than we did when we celebrated his birth in Bethlehem. The story of Jesus' birth is, of course, well-known and well-told, and in churches all over the world we see uh, beautiful images of his, his birth in creches set up. We have ours, of course, right over here at the, the uh, St. Mark's altar. And, of course, it was uh, St. Francis who gave us the tradition of setting up a creche. So it goes back very, very far into the uh, recesses of the Christian imagination. And we can see it also represented in art and in song and in prayer. And, of course, you can see off in the distance the three magi are making their way to, uh, to the Holy Family. They will meet them, of course, on the Feast of the Epiphany. But here today we read from the prologue to John. You'll notice that when I introduced the Gospel, I said the beginning of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. This is one of the few times when that uh, is said, and it is said in order to emphasize the beginning. All of the gospel writers give us a origin story. If you are a fan of, uh, of uh, popular fiction, you know that a lot of times this, the hero has an origin story, uh, and the, the gospel writers don't let us down in that respect. But John is the one who takes us all the way back. John is the very mystical uh, writer of, of a gospel who gives us the book of Revelation as well. St. John the Divine, the beloved of Christ. And so he gives us this very clear uh, expression of just who Jesus is. Now, bear in mind that for several hundred years, the beginning of the church, uh, just who Jesus is was a topic of uh, some debate. People actually lost their lives over this. And there were councils that were called. Now, in those days, uh, of course, the church was a much smaller entity and, and much more unified than it is today. And so all of the bishops of Christendom would be able to get together and all sort of hash this out. And there were heresies. of, of uh, you know, Some people claimed that Jesus was... Uh, was a god who was just sort of masquerading as a human. Some people thought he was a human who was inspired by God. And they were all, all different. Every combination you can think of uh, was, uh, was uh, proposed by certain people and believed by certain people. But finally the church came down in part because of this gospel of John to say that Jesus Christ is God's eternal son, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, who was from time immemorial. And this is, I think, one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. And if you attend our uh, chapel liturgies in the Chapel of the Holy Spirit, uh, typically the, the Eucharist ends with this gospel. Regardless of what time of year it is or what the, the proper gospel of the day is, the prologue to John is considered the last gospel. And this uh, came into practice during the Middle Ages, as a priestly devotion after the Mass, 
Um, and you will also notice if you go down to the chapel that there are some cards placed up upon the altar, and they have uh, a number of priestly prayers. And those are prayers that I say in addition to, uh, to the liturgy of the Eucharist. Um, sometimes as a priest, they, are, they can be a real gift because you know, when, you're, when you're celebrating the Eucharist with the people, um, you don't always have time for a prayer for yourself. And so these priestly prayers are, are a wonderful gift, and they come down through the ages. But as I was saying, the prologue to John was one of them. But after around uh, the 16th century, it became sort of canonized as a part of the Mass proper. And so the last gospel, every, almost every Sunday, is, and every time the Eucharist is celebrated, is said to remind us, as we are leaving, just in whose presence we have been, in whose, whose body and blood we have partaken of, in our own bodies, and whose example we are to follow as we leave the church and go out into the world, fortified by his holy sacraments. And so I love that in, in the fullness of the Christmas story, we get to this part because we do focus a lot, and as we should, as this whole season is about the incarnation of Christ. We focus on that, but we have to always bear in mind that the Christ child, even though he was human flesh, even though he was born at a certain time in a certain place to a certain woman, was and is from before all time and before all creation. Jesus Christ, the Word, the Logos, was with God in the beginning, was with God when humankind was formed and the earth was formed, and stepped into human time, stepped out of eternity into human time, stepped out of the Godhead into while retaining his deity, stepped into human flesh and became one of us so that the creator experienced his own creation. Becoming one of us, he lived and died, laughed and cried just the same way that we do. And so that part of the tenderness of the Christmas story is that Jesus came into the world just like you and me, the same way, and probably, I would guess, under much more adverse circumstances than any of us did. Being born in a stable around animals and uh, exposed to the elements the way he was. And so he walked this world day by day, growing in grace and stature and in favor with God, as the scripture tells us. He spent great, a great deal of time in the synagogues, learning, but also teaching. And he went out into the world to extend God's hand of healing and love and reconciliation to all whom he encountered. And of course, some people disagreed with that extension of love and healing and reconciliation into the world, and that led to his death. But that death led to his resurrection, and through his resurrection our grafting into his family tree, the cross, our becoming his brothers and sisters, 
our becoming his disciples in this world. And until he comes again, his eyes and ears, hands and feet, mouth and heart, as we walk our walk of faith in our incarnate world. May Christ's spirit always be with us. May his coming into this world always be in our minds and in our hearts as we seek to do his work in this broken and sinful world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.